0: Thanks for downloading or purchasing this sermon from Christchurch Forward. To find out more, visit forwardchurch.co.uk or join us on Sundays.
1: Psalm 33. Sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise his name. Praise the Lord with the harp. Make music to him on the ten string lyre. Sing to him a new song. Play skillfully and shout for joy. For the word of the Lord is right and true. He is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Let all the earth fear the Lord Let all people of the world revere him, for he spoke, and it came to be. He commanded, and it stood firm. The Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He who forms the hearts of all, who considers everything they do. No king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength. A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength it cannot save. But the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him on those whose hope is in his unfailing love, to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. We wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. In him our hearts rejoice, for we trust in his holy name. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope in you.
0: Well, uh, evening, great to see you here. Uh, if we've not met, I'm, my name's Andy Fernley. I'm the uh, Minister for Students here at Christchurch. Fullwood. We would love to meet you. Just, uh, I'll be on the door afterwards uh, if we've not met um, before, or if we have. It'd be great to have a chat. Um, we're going to be looking at this passage, Psalm 33, together for the next little while. So do keep it open in front of you, and we'll be referring to it. But uh, as we begin, I'm going to pray and ask for the Lord's help. And so let's pray. Our Lord God, we thank you that you are a speaking God who has powerfully and wonderfully made yourself known in the person of your son and in the word about him in the Bible. We pray this evening you'd help us to understand your words to us, to see more of Jesus and to believe and to be full of joy in his name, amen. Uh, Well, I want to uh, ask you a question this evening, and um, and I'm sorry because it feels like a very sort of un-British question to ask, but I'm just going to ask it anyway. And the question is this, how are you feeling this evening? Is that a bit touchy-feely for you? How are you feeling this evening? uh, How's your summer working out? How is your heart this summer I know this week I've spoken to uh, people whose summer has been um, just, just full of delight. Imagine um, sailing in a yacht on the Mediterranean. could be better than that. Happy, easy to be happy when you've been doing that. Uh, I've spoken to someone this week who's had a big promotion at work and someone else who got the sort of five A-stars that they were gunning for. I didn't even know you could do that many A-levels, but there you are. And it's easy to have a smile on your face if that's the sort of summer that you're having. I've also spoken to uh, someone this week who was um, visibly pale, and I think probably sweating at the thought of um, getting his A-level results the next day and um, someone else who described what's um, going on with them at the moment. And, um, and I wouldn't want to share it publicly, but it was enough to make you want to weep uh, as we spoke. And um, it's a bit harder to have a smile on your face when you're having a summer like that, isn't it? And this evening, I imagine in a group like this, there will be both those who've been enjoying the Mediterranean and all the joys of life this summer, and those for whom their circumstances feel like things are just falling apart around them. And this evening I want to talk about joy, because Psalm 33 is a psalm about joy. It begins with a call to sing joyfully to the Lord. But the joy I want to talk about is not a sort of easy, surface level, smile on your face, everything is fine kind of joy, but a deep-rooted joy, a joy that's robust in the face of our circumstances. Uh, Perhaps the verse at the heart of Psalm 33 is verse 12, and just have a look at it with me, blessed Blessed is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he chose for his inheritance. You see, a a promise of joy, that word blessed, it means happy, it means things are as they should be, it means content, it means full of joy, and um, blessed, full of joy is the nation whose God is the Lord, the people he's chosen for his own Uh, Of course, in the Old Testament, that meant the people of Israel, but in Christ, that offer has been extended out to anyone who trusts in Israel's Messiah, King Jesus. And so you see, the promise of Psalm 33 is happy is the church, is the Christian, is the people whose God is the Lord, the ones he's chosen for himself, a promise of joy, but not a simple joy. Not a lightweight, easy, smiling because of my circumstances, Joy. Because look how the psalmist describes his situation. Verse 19, he talks about waiting for God to deliver them from death and keep them alive in famine. Verse 20, he says, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Well, you need a help and a shield in battle. Not when things are easy, not on your yacht in the Mediterranean, but in the thick of warfare, when there are tears running down your face. And so here is a psalm that promises a kind of a a deep joy, a contentment in God in the face of our circumstances, good or bad, 5A stars or deep tragedy. And listen, let me just say, before we dive into the details of this psalm, um, it may well be that you're here this evening and you're just, you're looking in on the Christian faith from the outside. You're, you're just seeing what it's all about. We, we always have those amongst us in that situation. And let me say, you are very welcome. And if that's you, this isn't, um, isn't going to be the sort of passage of the Bible that um, looks at the evidence for Christianity. There is loads of evidence for Christianity. And, and I'd invite you, keep coming and dig into it. This is the sort of text that shows you the difference that being a Christian makes to someone's life in adversity, good times and bad. And it shows us a joy that I guess I think we all long for, don't we? A joy that lifts the shoulders and raises the head, even in the hardest of times. And so let's dive in together. The psalm begins with a call to praise. You have to forgive me, it's not a very imaginative heading, is it? But it begins with a call to praise. And the principle is very simple. If you've been forgiven by God, you will want to praise him and your heart, your heart will be moved and your lips will be opened. Verse one, sing joyfully to the Lord, you righteous. It is fitting for the upright to praise him. Now look, the righteous in the Psalms, the righteous aren't people who've lived such a good life. That God welcomes them. Uh, Psalm 33 comes immediately after Psalm 32. It's one of the only psalms um, in this part of the psalms that doesn't have a heading, and so it really follows on right from Psalm 32, which is all about the blessing of forgiveness. Psalm 32, verse 1, just have a look. Blessed is he whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the man whose sin the Lord doesn't count against him. And in whose spirit there's no deceit. You see, the righteous in the Psalms are not those who've lived such a righteous life, but those who've come to God for forgiveness, the ones that God has forgiven and declared to be right with Him. And the psalmist says, If you're one who's been declared right, if you know what it is for God to forgive you in Jesus, sing joyfully. Let your heart be moved by that reality. The natural response to being forgiven is this kind of deep down joy that moves your heart and opens your lips. I hope you don't think that when we sing, when we meet together, it's the sort of filler to fill the gaps in the service or the, um, the warm up for the main event or something like that because right at the heart of the Christian life, is joyfully praising God for what he's done for us. It lifts the heart and opens the lips. And um, if, um, if we don't know at any level what it is to feel joy in the Lord, if remembering what Jesus has done for us doesn't move our heart in that way to want to praise him at some level, then I guess the question I want to ask is, have we really understood what it means to be forgiven. Have we forgotten how good the good news of Jesus is? The natural response, more than that, the right response. Verse one, it is fitting for the upright to praise him. Uh, There are some people who love to sing, aren't they? Aren't there? I remember um, working with a girl and you could hear her coming long before you saw her because she just sang all the time. Uh, There are others who um, perhaps don't quite have the same quality of voice or the same enthusiasm uh, and, uh, and we wouldn't take it up as a hobby naturally to sing and yet the right response, you see, not a matter of personal preference but a matter of right and wrong, the right response, the fitting response to being forgiven by God is joyful praise, and the psalmist is going to give us three big reasons to feel joy. Three big motivations to pray and to praise the Lord. Uh, the first one is this: God's word is utterly reliable. God's word is utterly reliable. And this is sort of verses four to nine in the psalm. God's word is utterly reliable. Have a look at verse four. Four, because the word of the Lord is right and true, he is faithful in all he does. The Lord loves righteousness and justice. The earth is full of his unfailing love. See, first big thing about the reliability of God's word is that God's word is right. We can believe what God says, says the psalmist, because God is utterly dependable and faithful In a world of fake news, half-truths, and false promises, here is a word you can rely on, because it is right and true. I don't know about you, on any given week, I get made a lot of promises. Uh, There are the promises that say, if I sign up here, I will get all manner of things for free and yet they often turn out to be far less than I expected. Uh, There are the promises that say, join our gym and you'll look like Gareth Rowe before you know it. (laughs) And those promises have left me very cynical as well. I get made many, many promises that do not deliver, and yet here is a God who, when he speaks, when he promises to forgive you, when he says, I will be with you, I will never leave you or forsake you. When he says that, he will bring you to a new heavens and a new earth where you can enjoy him forever and there will be no more pain or suffering or tears anymore. He is faithful and reliable. Here is a God who is right and true. He loves, verse five, righteousness and justice, even though we let him down, he will never let us down. But of course, it's one thing to be faithful, but if I can't put my promises into practice, then my character's not worth very much at all, is it? It's hopeless. And so look too with the psalmist at how powerful and effective God's word is. Verse 6. By the word of the Lord were the heavens made, their starry host by the breath of his mouth. He gathers the waters of the sea into jars. He puts the deep into storehouses. Again, verse nine, for he spoke and it came to be. He commanded and it stood firm. Now, I wonder how effective your word is. Uh, As the father of two preschoolers, let me tell you that I am struck regularly by how ineffective and weak my word is. The word that says, stop, come here, have you washed your hands? The word that says, put your brother down, he's not a toy, his legs do not bend that way. Surprisingly ineffective the most powerful um, people in our country, the most powerful politicians who promise us, what is it at the moment, a clean Brexit, a soft Brexit, a lumpy, bumpy Brexit, and they cannot deliver. uh, Lacking in power and ineffective, as our words so often are, and look at the words of God. By the word of the Lord, were the heavens made, the starry hosts by the breath of his mouth. Now, um, they estimate there are 300,000 million stars in our galaxy, and they can't estimate how many galaxies there are in the universe. All the glory of the universe we live in. these, um, These tiny stars that we can see through an enormous telescope, and we can hardly even estimate the number of them. And God spoke the word, and out of nothing they were the ocean that you swam in this summer. You ever had that experience where um, a current is pulling you out away from the shore and you suddenly realize you're actually in trouble and it's quite scary and the ocean can be a powerful thing and yet, in verse seven, he gathers the water of the sea into jars. Here is a God who spoke the word and the Atlantic and the Pacific And the Indian Ocean and the British Channel and every other body of water that you could possibly have swam in was just just plonked in its right place. The power of his word. That verse nine, he spoke and it came to be, there was nothing. God spoke and there was everything. Here is a word that is not only right and true and good for us, but utterly powerful and reliable. Um, One writer um, puts it like this. Um, uh, If you'll forgive the reference, um, Harry Potter has an invisibility cloak, and so the visible Harry puts on the cloak and becomes invisible. Well, creation is like a visibility cloak for the invisible God. Because we look at the beautiful, stunning, powerful terrifying awe-inspiring universe that we live in and we see the glory of a God that we can't see and the power of his words you know next time you're in the peaks just look out at that view and think how reliable is the God who spoke that into being and most sharply of all, of course, we see the power, the goodness, the reliability of God's word when his word becomes flesh in the person of the man Jesus Christ. Here was a man whose words were full of goodness and compassion and kindness. I was, um, I was just reading yesterday about the woman who'd had an illness for 12 years. And again, just with a word from Jesus, she's healed the compassion and the goodness of this man that he cared for the very least and the very weakest and yet power and authority. He calms a storm with a word because, well, he put those waters in the place in the first place. And of course, he has power and authority. And here is a word that you can trust. And so the only right response, verse eight, let all the earth fear the Lord Let all the people of the world revere him. That word fear, it doesn't mean to be terrified, to be fearful. Uh, One of the commentators puts it like this, it's an appropriate attitude of absolute dependence on God. See, the right response, verse eight, is to have a reverent trust in God. Absolute dependence on him. Whether your circumstances are marvelous or a mess, you can build your life on his word and promises. These words that he's spoken, recorded in this book, the Bible, about Jesus, you can trust every one of them. You look at creation, when you look at Jesus, you can know that you can trust him, utterly reliable. When he says, I'll forgive you, he says I'll give you strength and perseverance, when he says I'll refine your faith in this situation, when he says I'll never leave you and forsake you, well, his word is utterly reliable. Is that not a cause for joy? Uh, But then secondly, the psalmist shows us that God's plans are completely unshakable. Uh, Verses 10 to 12 here, his plans are completely unshakable. Verse 10, the Lord foils the plans of the nations. He thwarts the purposes of the peoples, but the plans of the Lord stand firm forever, the purposes of his heart through all generations. And there's a little compare and contrast in these verses. Uh, On the one hand, uh, we make plans, but there are no guarantees that they'll come to pass. Uh, we planned to meet some relatives on Easter Monday in the Peak District. And if you live in this area and you're around at Easter, uh, you will know that there was um, more than a little snow on Easter Monday. And our plans were completely cancelled because of the weather. And yet God's plans, well, they always come to pass. Nothing can stop the powerful creator the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. And more seriously than that, when people plan to oppose God or they go against God's will, well, verse 10, the Lord foils the plans of the nations and thwarts the purposes of the peoples. Now, hang on. This is the sort of verse that you read and you think, really? Is that really true? The Lord foils the plans of the nations. Those who oppose him, he thwarts, I mean, don't we see people opposing God and getting away with it all the time? But stand back with me for a moment. Consider the bigger picture. 50 years ago, sociologists were predicting the end of religion within a generation. And today, there are more than 2 billion Christians, more Christians than there have ever been in history. Uh, If you look at the... um, the history of the world and the history of the church. Again and again, there have been rulers who've tried to stamp out the Christian faith. There have been persecutions that have come and gone, but again and again, they come and they go. It was um, Nietzsche who said that God is dead. But in reality, Nietzsche is dead and God is alive and well. Behind all of this, the sovereign God working for his glory and the good of his people. If if God chooses a people, if he promises to forgive them in Christ, if he promises to grow them in holiness, to keep them going with him, to refine their faith even when things are hard and to bring them to a new heavens and a new earth, nothing can stop him in that plan. And we need the confidence Of Psalm 33, don't we? Because um, uh, perhaps we look at our nation and we see a nation that is getting harder to the gospel in some ways. It feels like our our public um, discourse is getting further and further away from Christian teaching. And maybe as Christians, we feel um, like we stand out more and more in the places that we work. And it can feel harder and harder to live as a Christian. And we need to remember that the plans of the Lord... Stand firm forever. Nothing will prevent the purposes of God's heart coming about. Maybe we look at our personal lives and we feel overwhelmed by pain or grief, overwhelmed by the battle with our own sin. We ask ourselves, can I really keep going? Can I keep battling on? God has promised to keep everyone that is his and to bring us into that new creation. And the plans of the Lord stand firm forever. Keep trusting him, keep walking with him, keep going. And then finally, we see that God's eyes are especially on his people. This is verses 13 to 19. God's eyes are especially on his people. Notice that God sees everything according to the psalmist. Verse 13, From heaven the Lord looks down and sees all mankind. From his dwelling place he watches all who live on earth. He forms the hearts of all who considers everything they do. Did you notice the alls and the everys? He sees all mankind. He watches all who live on earth. He forms the hearts of all and considers everything they do. Now, it's a big thought, this, isn't it? Just pause and think with me for a moment. Um, can you remember back in school? Now, the, um, uh, the naughty kids traditionally sit on the back row. So, um, hi back there. Hello. Um, but um, the smart naughty kids sit in the teacher's blind spot, just where the youth group are down here. And... Um, As you go through life, this principle does continue. So students will know that in lectures, the front row is a much more reliable place to sleep than the back row, because that's the lecturer's blind spot. And church staff members can talk afterwards about where the vicar's blind spot is in staff meetings. Um, But the Lord has no blind spots. He sees... Everything, the one who made every part of you inside and out, he knows everything about you inside and out. Everything that I do and think and feel, he knows. Everything that's been done to you, he knows. And every suffering that you face, he knows. And the remarkable news of the Christian gospel is That in verse 18, he offers unfailing love to people that he knows everything about. A God with no blind spots, who knows every failing in your life, stepped down into history in the person of Jesus Christ and in his unfailing love, lived the perfect life you couldn't live, died the death that you deserve in your place, bore the right punishment of God for you so that you could be forgiven and welcomed by a God who offers you eternity with him as part of his family, unfailing love to people that he knows inside and out a remarkable, a joyful thing. And of course, the, um, the foolish reality is that we put our trust, we look for joy in all sorts of other things. Uh, verse 16, no king is saved by the size of his army. No warrior escapes by his great strength A horse is a vain hope for deliverance. Despite all its great strength, it cannot save. We look to all these strong and impressive looking things to give us security and safety and joy in life. Now I say to myself, if I could just get um, a bit more money, Or a bit more respect, or if I could find that relationship that I'm looking for, or hold on to the one that I've got, if I could just get the five A stars, or the good university degree, or whatever it is, then I will know joy and it will be secure. But of course, none of those things can deliver, none of them can insulate us from suffering and hardship in life. None of them can protect us from the diagnosis, from the day of weeping, from the day when we face death. But verse 18, the eyes of the Lord are on those who fear him, on those whose hope is in his unfailing love to deliver them from death. We're right to look for security. We're right to want joy, but we need to look for it in the right place. When God promises to forgive us, when he promises to keep us, to bring us to a new heavens and a new earth, even through and in spite of our suffering, he does not blink in keeping that promise. His eyes are on us. He cares for us. We are deeply loved. And in trusting him, we find a solid joy that our circumstances can't take away. So three responses, and we'll rattle through them quickly. Three responses, Uh, wait for the Lord. Verse 20, we wait in hope for the Lord. He is our help and our shield. Do you see, because we believe that God's word is utterly reliable, we can wait for him to keep his promises, Things feel hard now. We can't see how he'll be faithful to us, but we wait and we hope and we know that he will keep his promises. He's reliable. Wait for the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Verse 21, in him our hearts rejoice for we trust in his holy name. His eyes are on us. We're deeply loved and so we're free to praise him. When it's hard, if you're anything like me, the tendency is for my praise to grow quiet. It's like the volume knob on my praises to God is turned down as I start to struggle and wonder if I can really trust him. And the psalmist says, turn the volume up when things are hard. Look again to the character and trustworthiness of God and rejoice in him. And then finally, pray to the Lord. Verse 22, may your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even when we put our hope in you. I think my experience has been, there are times when life is hard, and so I find it hard to pray because circumstances are hard. You ever felt like that? My experience is also that sometimes times are really good and I find it hard to pray because times are so good. You ever felt like that? And I take from that that the problem is not my circumstances, but the orientation of my heart. And the psalmist says, the psalmist concludes with a prayer. May your unfailing love rest upon us, O Lord, even as we put our hope In you, whatever our circumstances, will we be on our knees asking God to help us know more and more of his unfailing love to us so that we would be rooted in that deep joy? I don't know how you're feeling this evening. I don't know how you're feeling this summer. But when we look to this God, what he's like and what he's given us, we have great reason to praise him.